love you. Hey, uh, why was six afraid of nine? Why is that? Because nine, eight, seven, fuck this year. <laughs> Happy New Year! Yeah. That probably sounds terrible to you. No, yeah, it always sounds terrible. We have bad equipment. We don't have like star professional gear. Hey, we got you know these are pretty decent microphones. Don't knock them. It's okay, baby. It's okay. He didn't mean they're, it. They're good. They are good for amateurs, but you yeah. know, hopefully the new year sees a boost in uh, boost in profit for both of us, and we could uh, yeah build a sound <laughs> a sound stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah put it in your backyard Uh, i I was thinking you know that that's a good like five to ten year plan that's what i (laughs) Nah, i I feel like we could just put up a a bad shack in your backyard and yeah i mean i do have a shack back there it would be pretty hard to make um soundproof though because those walls are thin yeah it's fair they're they're pretty thin boost in revenue but you know, we could we could maybe build something. That would be fun. But we'd have to get be a fun project. Some silent fans in there or something. Cause oh yeah, especially in the summer. But you know, that's after we all get vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. year has been a very weird one. Uh, in many ways, we won't bog it down with the reality of it. But in regards to the movie world, two years ago. I started collecting the ticket stubs of when I went to the theater, and I have a book, a nice little notebook, half filled with ticket stubs that I like to pull out and look at and feel sad about because I've not <laughs> had the chance to fill it up, and I most likely would have this year. You know, I, I, I've said it before on the show, uh, I used to go to the theater at least once a week. You know, it was kind of a nice little relaxing ritual for me, you know, just mm-hmm. go there doesn't even matter if I was interested in a movie. I could at least bitch about it on my blog or just complain about it to other people, you know. But in 2019, I went and saw 44 new releases the whole year, whether they were streamed or at the movie theater. Most of them were at the movie theater. This year, I saw 15 new releases. <laughs> 30 fewer. Damn. And eight of those, eight of those were streamed. And the last one, the last movie I watched in uh, movie theaters was Onward back in March, I believe, or maybe late oh, February. Man. Yeah, it was rough. I miss my movie theater, man. Yeah, I do too. I do miss it too. I I have I have not even attempted to venture out for entertainment purposes, anyways. Yeah. Uh. It has been a strange, strange year. Oh, we by the way, know. this is a green and faceless on the couch on the green. Yeah, <laughs> and I am the faceless Leon. This is a podcast about movies and TV. Um, uh, sometimes, like right now, we talk about real life stuff. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, here we are. Dang it. <laughs> Sometimes you forget you're doing a show. Yeah. I, I like I had noticed that appointment. I was like, but I, I like what we're doing. Just That's true. Uh, but uh, I glad I think and this is it in right at the right yeah. moment. 
And it's a special, you know, it's a special episode. The last uh, last episode of the year. Yeah. Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. Happy New Year's Eve. Uh, the, I mean, I guess it's close enough to actual New Year's Eve, but we are recording this in, uh, near the Ides of December. Yeah. You love Anyhow, saying that. <laughs> I know. It is fun. <laughs> um, but we, we, we watched three movies that were new to this year. I wanted to pad my, I'm OCD, I keep lists of everything, you know, if I read a book, I put it down on a list of, you know, the books I've read this year. Right. Uh, go ahead and make fun of me in the comments, it's an OCD trait. Uh, but I do the same with movies, you know, I watch a movie, I put it down, the, you know, 2020, I have a list of the movies I've seen. Hmm. And 12 was a really sad number, so I had to talk you into doing a, a 2020 threesome <laughs> with me, just so I could pad it to 15 and feel a little better about it. <laughs> Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize you had uh, uh, alternative mean uh, <laughs> motives. alternative motives. Yeah. Uh but we did. I I'm sadly a little sleepy, and it's not even like late at night. Like you might be listening to this for your for New Year's. Uh, I just am sleepy. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's people. all right. That's all right. That's how I feel like most people are going to be on new year's eve uh yeah because it's been a long year for everyone so i feel like most of us are just going to be a little tired ready for the year to be over i did venture out to to visit my uh massage therapist and he said (laughs) after we were done he said i just want to get it right he said well i i that's at the end of our time i I want to say happy holidays. Probably won't see it till next year. But for me, next year isn't until January 20th. <laughs> and I said, oh. And I was like in a daze and I barely caught it. It took me a couple seconds. I started laughing. And I said, same here, buddy. Same here. <laughs> Anyhow, we're talking about three movies. Yeah. That's the thing that we do. Three that movies. is, yeah. Yeah, three promising movies too. I feel uh, yeah. they're all all Netflix originals. Uh, sorry, other streaming services. We're talking David Fincher's Mank, Antonio Campos. I've never seen another movie by Antonio Campos, so first movie for me from him. And Antonio Same Campos here. is uh, The Devil All the Time, and Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of the Chicago Seven. A nice, yeah. nice glimpse at the twentieth century there. Yeah, we got, I believe, like the first year <laughs> in Mank they talk about is thirty-two. I yeah, believe, maybe. And I know thirty-four. It's definitely they definitely are are in thirty-four and uh, at for their earliest, but like the main. I don't know this story. Okay, I'm kind of getting into the thing, but <clears throat> 32, and then uh, when was the trial uh, for the Chicago? Late. Seven? I want to say late 60s, early 70s. No, but then I think it was 69. <laughs> Maybe right. Uh, Six. Nixon's Nixon's first. Okay, I was gonna it say was, it's Nixon's it was first year for the the. 1968 Democratic National Convention that they got arrested. Uh, so I don't know when the actual trial happened, but probably something yeah. that the government tried to expedite. 
definitely a political trial. That was a, it'll oh, be a fun yes. one to talk about. But uh, we've decided to go by uh, the years they took place. So that would be starting with Mank. Uh, so, excuse uh, me. <laughs> Mank. Who, yes. Who, you want to you wanna describe Mank? Sure, I will definitely describe Mank. Uh, it's directed by and uh, directed by David Fincher and written by his late father Jack Fincher. Uh, he's been trying to get this made, from what I've heard, for quite some time. Wow, you know, probably I, I want to say at least the better half of a decade, or way more than a decade. Um, <clears throat> but it stars Gary Oldman as Herman J. Mankiewicz, the author or not author, the uh, writer of. Citizen Kane, Orson Welles' classic, iconic movie, Citizen Kane, and also the uncredited author for many movies, and I said author again, (laughs) screenwriter, the uncredited screenwriter for many movies like Wizard of Oz, uh, which he, you know, makes fun of early on in the movie, which I thought was hilarious, I think, um, yeah, yeah, quite a lot, it was pretty funny, and that's, that's the fun thing about this movie is, uh, Herman's uh or Manx's humor like he's very he yes. has he has something to say about everything you know he's a, he is a writer he talks and talks and talks mm-hmm. like uh yeah. i i think they they uh describe it best as him being a court gesture yeah he definitely um, becomes that throughout his life that's yeah but i feel like that's kind of uh <clears throat> um that's the story they're trying to tell is like at the beginning, he's a comedian and then he descends into a court jester. Yeah. Um, throughout the, throughout the movie because of, you know, his biggest flaw, which was alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that's one of the beauties of this movie is, you know, it's, it's a look into the life of the screenwriter of citizen Kane, which itself is, you know, it's a look at the times that was around him. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrote what he saw. You know, he was friends with William Randolph Hertz, who was the or Hearst, who was a uh, newspaper magnate. Yeah. And, you know, Citizen Kane is basically just this guy's life. Yeah. And it caused a lot of turmoil in the world because obviously he didn't want that image out there. Right. Um you know, and so there's just a lot of, a lot of bickering, a lot of fighting, a lot of politics at play, and it all just centered around this alcoholic who was, you know, losing control of his his world, his his grasp on his world, right. And just like Citizen Kane, you know, it's very, it's or just like Manx's writing, even the story is told very loosely in in regards to time, and it it still it also maintains a lot of the humor that Manx's movies had, which. You know, I thought it was very well done. It was very respectful to the man. Um, yeah, I think so too. It definitely put Mank in a, a pretty good light, uh, despite. I mean, it definitely highlighted that his alcoholism was a flaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, do, the people around him, eventually do encourage him to drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is he is heavily encouraged to drink by everybody in yeah. that world. <laughs> But uh, this is the forties, uh, the thirties, rather. You know, it does it does put him in a good light, and but I, at the same time, you know, I don't know if it's wrongfully so in doing that. Uh, you know, he is a man who personally 
brought a lot of, you know hundreds of people over from right. Nazi Germany you know he helped them uh emigrate to America like financially back mm-hmm. them so that they could have asylum here during that time and yeah there is a good moral man underneath all of the drinking and the the crass language and humor i mean and i it, yeah there's there's definitely stuff in this movie that uh i want to talk about so maybe we will put a wall up eventually but uh like there's there's so many things that mank tries to do against uh this guy who is his supposed friend hurts before he goes and writes this this movie yeah Uh, because uh, when i say against it's because he sees that uh this hurts character is abusing his power and yeah he's like he's become a hypocrite he's become a hypocrite exactly yeah Um, he looks at like you know when he started out as a kid he was a very imaginative very reach for the stars uh you know vocalist Mm-hmm. um an orator and then once he started getting power and money he became you know a crony he was just like you know he's like don't reach for more than what you're worth <laughs> right he went against everything he was saying as a as a youth and herm saw that story he saw that you know the beauty behind that story and right. made it into citizen kane which i think this movie does a lot you know i feel like we have to talk citizen kane to talk this movie yeah. a little bit yeah we definitely do you know i've only seen a twice and the first time i watched it i knew nothing about herman mankiewicz right all i knew was orson wells and i walked away thinking it was an orson wells movie and you know and then and i respect it highly i think it is a great movie with a beautiful story kind of dated you know when people call it the best movie of all time for me the best movie of all time something i want to return to a lot it's something i want to watch a lot and i I... really want to watch citizen kane a lot I personally could, I, I watched it for the first time uh, just this year, a few days before I watched Mank, um, which I feel like there's a lot of people who haven't seen it. It's a really old movie. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, I don't think we should be surprised that people in our audience haven't seen it. For me, I definitely can go watch it again. I, I think mm-hmm. it is it's the best made movie from that era that i've seen and and i mean you know wizard of oz is a good movie i love that movie yeah. i've watched that over and, and over again and and when you told me that i argued that you have to go see 12 angry men so we'll, yes we'll i throw that out there angry men. yeah i think that in my opinion that's in, even better than wizard of oz for me um, yeah but i would honestly say that i think i personally i think i might like citizen kane more than 12 angry men uh and and <clears throat> i'm not saying that i don't think both of them aren't rewatchable right i would definitely i would definitely hands down if anybody hasn't watched either of these movies and we're like i'm interested i'm like yeah let's watch it yeah you know, because they are they are really good movies that i do like and i do highly respect mm-hmm. but me personally if i were to sit down at night and i'm like what do i want to watch you know i want to i want to watch something i've seen before I'm not going to come back to these movies for that time. You know, it's like th- I'm going to watch something that's more personal, more, you know, I'm more sure. entertained by it. It's, right now it's the lighthouse. That's in right. my opinion, the best movie of all time right now. <laughs> something, something that you connect to with a little bit more. I, I totally get that. Um, and for me, 
Citizen Kane uh, is really just a great window. I had barely I barely knew about the Hearst connection when I mm. watched it. But and that's I think because of uh <laughs> Drunk History or whatever that show was called. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the second rewatch for me was, you know, I watched it the first time completely clueless and mm. the second time I went in knowing the background that, you know, Herman Mankiewicz wrote the story and not <clears throat> not Orson Welles. Orson did like a minor rewrite, but he wanted to buy credit for it. Yeah. Because that was how the times were. I I also, I don't think it was, they didn't really show them deciding to work together in Mank. Uh, Orson and Mank, that is. <laughs> um, yeah. Except for Mank, that Orson came to visit him in the hospital after his uh, car accident. Which Yeah, and that's where uh, he was just like, I got a job for you. <laughs> at, at the present moment, which I don't, rem- I think was probably 39 or 40, whatever it is, when he was actually writing the script. Uh, he's 40. in a rehabilitation uh, center. I don't know. It, it is just yeah. him. It's like, yeah, it's kind it's of just, just like a, one, a single, yeah. single home kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, it's him, a nurse and an assistant. And um, there's some shenanigans that ensue there which are pretty fun yeah um, and great characters all oh yeah i think so too you know every, everybody in this movie does amazing acting i would highly expect that gary oldman gets another oscar nom if not another oscar award for me yeah he did great yeah he really just did. beautiful performance the audio needs a nomination for this film oh yeah um, even just the production like just the production design uh yeah. which i don't I don't know what the technical, I, but whoever, you know, the editing needs it. Like every, you know, the directing yeah. needs it. You know, yeah. there's so many actors like supporting cast, but like the the technical production of this movie is great. Mm-hmm. It has the cigarette burns of the old film, which it I has the was same. Fun. It was, it was kind of fun just to notice that too. Yeah. Like, cause I didn't know that going in. I didn't expect me neither. That the quality of this movie would match the quality of a movie from the 1940s. Because that, you know, they just, they shot it how you would shoot a film back in the 1940s right. and and edited it that way. And it looks, you know, there's there's times where there'll be jump cuts in the middle of dialogue scenes. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a guy will say something and like wherever they splice the, f- the film together, you know, it'll just be a small little jump cut between there. And I was like, that's, you know, it was adorable. It added a lot yeah. to the movie and... Sure did. It was, uh, it was fun to watch. I feel like uh, I appreciated this movie a lot more having seen Citizen Kane. So I would highly recommend that some that you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you know, if you're really not interested in watching Citizen Kane, I think you could still watch this movie. Um, yeah, you don't you don't need to know that story because this is its own tales it is but it definitely definitely i agree with you it definitely helps it it helps it helps you be more involved in this movie i i think but of course i didn't watch it without seeing citizen kane first so yeah it could very possibly encourage you to go watch citizen kane which i will encourage you to do as well (laughs) (laughs) it's uh it's well worth it i i think and you know yeah 
it's it is hard to find really older movies that you connect with if if you weren't raised in that era Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, so i think that for that reason alone is a testament that it it survives you you said it's a little bit dated i'll give you that but i think that people will talk about that movie until there aren't movies anymore yeah and and you know arguably uh you know whether or not or whatever your opinion of orson wells may be citizen kane is phenomenal performance from him yes uh definitely you know so it's he he bring he makes that movie incredible and i like what they did with him in mank too i like the guy who uh who who performed i think it was uh it's tom burke tom burke yeah, he did a great job. Uh, he did do a great job. And but there's so many fun characters in like we're gonna talk the trial of Chicago Seven later. And both of these movies just had so many actors in it. It was just like it felt like Cameo City. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, the brother from the Iron Fist television show plays Mank's brother. Yes, yeah, the guy who played Ward. I, I don't remember what that Ward, thank you. Is. That's <laughs> uh Tom Pelfrey, Tom Pelfrey. You remember, you remember Iron Fist way better than I do. (laughs) No, because honestly, like I thought there was really good elements there. It was just really something was wrong with the execution. I yeah, and he was was a a lot of things I liked. Yeah, I liked Ward quite a bit, and the whole thing that was going on with his dad. But that just Mm kind of didn't go anywhere. This is secretly our review for Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> but that actor, uh what'd you say his name was? Tom Tom Pelfrey. Pelfrey. Tom Tom does a great job here yeah, as he Mank's brother. Joe. And you know, the relationship that they tell throughout the years, like back and you know, there's so many back and forths, you know, yeah. they're constantly going back between when he's, you know, writing the story in nineteen forty to yeah. what led him to that point throughout the thirties. And as you watch their their relationship unfold, it's it's just a fun tale. As you watch all of his relationships unfold, really, like, <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, Manks, uh, Mank is extremely charismatic. I, it, it is kind of sad how addicted to drink he is, because mm-hmm. he does have a lot of people who would care about him uh, if he wasn't so belligerently drunk all the time well it's like i might have to throw a spoiler wall up for this like for the next few seconds here but it's just like during the there's one scene where he lays out the story of citizen kane and it's a very powerful scene you know he's he's Mm -hmm. mocking all these people in this one room he's explaining to them basically why they're wrong and he's right right and why his story that he's while their story that he's going to tell will just you know rock the world and he's explaining it all but he's doing it while he's so belligerently drunk that he's just making himself a joke yeah and that's his story mm-hmm. and it's just like i don't know there's just, there's so many aspects at play to this movie that like i just it was it was fascinating to watch it but at the same time i think for the average moviegoer it's important to say that it is a slow movie it's a you know it's a plotting tale it's 
yeah. it's just the drama you know it's just it's just the this guy's life i love the non-linear telling of it <clears throat> you, know, you talked about yeah. it a little bit it's uh yeah it very well done and, and it's kind of mirrors how uh <clears throat> citizen kane was told too and they yeah. talk about his the way he writes the narrative and there's just so many good uh elements about the industry too mm-hmm. uh that really yeah, intrigued it's a me. good good classic hollywood tale <laughs> yeah for sure it, one of the better ones like there's been quite a bit uh of those recently i feel like mm-hmm. and i feel like this one probably did it the best so far that i've seen um did our did our nostalgia just go from the 80s all the way back to the like the 30s and 40s like it's like yeah <laughs> there it's has been a lot of era that we have no reason to be infatuated with. <laughs> and in fact it was pretty hard time to live especially if you weren't white yeah that um, is that is one of the important parts of this movie too is the great depression is going on yeah and yeah and world war ii is ramping up in the background too socialism yeah uh, which comes to play in another movie we're going to talk about but uh you know it's seen here where mank is supporting a Uh, a a democratic candidate sinclair um yeah upton sinclair thank you yeah who was who was a socialist but then became the democratic candidate uh for californian governance yeah our governor and the people that mank works for were republican and one of them right louis i think his name was louis right yes it's it's uh mayor uh of louis mayor yeah he's of mgm i don't remember all yep. their names metro goldwyn mayor which i guess is yes. not what it means <laughs> he says it means yes yes met- he says mayors. it means mayors uh something french for family <laughs> giant yeah i don't know i think it or was maybe not yiddish <laughs> yiddish oh yeah. shit <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah, i think it was yiddish um but no he uh louis mayor was you know a, one of the i think the rnc chairman or something like that of california so it's just like you know he mank was a you know a, kind of like a closet democrat not right. so not so very closet honestly but who was working for this higher up republican and it just causes so many nice dramatic very tense scenes that are definitely easily felt today uh right because we've become such a divided country in those in that regard that i yeah. guess like even back in the 30s we were it was very similar you know it's we haven't changed no we haven't really changed well i mean there was at some point where the ideals were swapped from the democratic to the republican party um at least seemingly because the de- yeah, at was, some point the democratic party was, around was the like there's around fdr i think i feel like it was because he was like a very progressive well this Democrat. is the period of of fdr so yeah uh, it would have been this period then i don't know it could have been earlier because wasn't well lbj was a southern democrat and i feel like that was the a good final divide i don't know 
I don't know political history too well to to yeah. feel comfortable dissecting it. Yeah, yeah, I feel like the whole Democrat Southern Democrat split was a little bit earlier, and then it kind of mended over. But whatever. Um, yeah. Moving on, Mank. Do we have more <laughs> to say about Mank? I I feel like we could, but uh, I feel like we could talk about this movie for a really long time. But yeah. I think it's time for closing statements. Okay. Did you want to? Yeah, I'll go. Did you first. want to reveal first? Yes, I will. Uh, this movie is definitely a full face movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think that it deserves accolades. I there wasn't really anything I could say could have been done better about it. Uh, it might not draw some people in because it is a very slow paced movie. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll say, but it's great. You should watch it. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's very, um, specifically about it being a very slow paced movie. I give it three and a half stars and it loses the half star specifically for its plot. You know, it is a little too slow. Um, for me, that wasn't an issue. You know, I could easily give yeah. this four stars and not feel bad about it, but I don't know. It's like when I walked away, that did feel like a little bit of a nag I had was like, all right, they could have picked up the pace a little bit. You know, it doesn't feel as uh, as well well paced as most Fincher films. Right. But, you know, again, for me, I love this movie. I, lo- I highly respected it. Felt very loyal to the man, to the time period specifically. Yes. Easily one of the better films I've seen this year, but. Oh, easily. Yeah. Though my yeah, list highly... is much shorter than yours. <laughs> <laughs> and I have no excuse because there were a lot of a lot of movies that came out on streaming and I just I just failed them all. Uh just you know You're okay, my, yeah. my attitude wasn't in the right spot, you know? They 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 will still be there. Yep, they'll be there. Yeah, I'll they'll see them all next year. I just won't That's talk right. about them all. <laughs> <laughs> some of them, I'm sure we'll talk some of them. Some, sure. But let's move on to the 40s and 50s and 60s. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We we left the 30s and 40s. We're going to uh, the era that the greenie just talked about and the devil all the time. The devil all the time. The devil all the time. Ah another netflix original yeah another netflix original so arvin's daddy put a cross next to a fallen tree and prayed uh so (laughs) this movie is another fairly slow paced movie but once this stuff starts happening it start it just keeps on happening yeah and up front on paper everything about this movie is right up my alley yeah and you know i won't i will do my best not to bash religion on the Uh show but i am again an atheist and at times i have been very rude and i've been working on it but i have been very rude to religion and i feel like this movie is one of the rudest things to religion (laughs) ever seen yeah i yeah kinda so this movie it it's almost i i there's like what what 
I don't know what to say if it's two or three acts, but I, I would say three. And yeah. uh, the first act is almost a completely different movie. Uh, but yeah. and it's it's for forty five minutes. Yeah, you know it's a it's a long first act. It is. Like, <laughs> and it's nearly. It. I think the first act is very compelling uh, story about uh, this gentleman Willard. Uh, I am not. Do you remember the Willard last Russell? Name? Russell. Russell, okay. Uh, they don't have the last names on IMDb for some reason. Uh, BD. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways. DB. No, you were right. You were right. It was DB. Oh. Database. Damn it. <laughs> uh, anyways, Bill Skarsgård uh, plays Willard, and he uh, is a veteran of the uh, Pacific War in uh world mm-hmm. war Two, and he has pretty bad ps I'm gonna ptsd ptsd thank you uh i i am man. dyslexic for the listeners uh, but i am too i understand i understand your struggle they are they are uh, for us but anyways he marries this young girl from a diner and moves to there's two different towns and they do a good job of mirroring the two different towns uh yeah uh it's it's outside of mead ohio uh I, I'm like, I, don't I don't i don't remember him either but he, he is you know his family lives uh, in one area you know he comes back from the war right. has a stop off in one town falls in love goes back to his family in a completely different state and is like hey i'm i'm fell in love i'm moving out to her yeah yeah <laughs> And, you know, it's it's that 40s tale. You know, you don't have that happen anymore because that's just creepy and weird. But uh, back I, in the 40s, <laughs> back in the 40s, that was like, that was, you know, normal. Yeah. Yeah. You meet somebody and there's less. Yeah. A couple months later, you're married. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore for good reasons. Very good reasons. Yeah. Uh, th- though. For all, I mean, we don't get to see their relationship for too long, but Willard and uh, Charlotte's relationship is pretty great. I I would say they they get along pretty good, especially for the period. And uh, anyways, Willard gets very religious. And when Charlotte gets sick, uh, forces that religion onto their son to try to save his wife and a lot we, of things happen i think it's important to set up we won't spoil what happens right but there is a very specific cross-related incident that happens to willard while fighting in the war right that uh it it's like the center of his ptsd um it's very I don't I don't know how to describe it without spoiling it. It's very crippling to his psyche. Yes. Um and that is the entire basis of his religious beliefs. Yes. So a lot of the tragedy of this movie is established from a religion that's not based on the importances of what the religion are, you know, the foundations of the religion. It's based on him needing something to continue. Yeah. I guess. Uh I I like that. 
Yeah, uh, it it definitely like this this symbol of the cross. I think uh, uh, to clarify what you were talking about, uh, yeah, is what sets him off. It's one of his triggers, but he he decides there's just one moment where he just all of a sudden he gets the urge to pray again uh which yeah he he decides to try to like conquer that yeah yeah like he needed to conquer his fear and he was he stayed away from god for too long because of this yeah. fear and uh but the problem but the problem is him him trying to conquer it it's kind of like he's blind to what he's actually doing yes you know he's yeah. he's trying to build a pearl out of coal and not out of you know sand. It's yeah. He's not going about it the right way. Is what I'm trying to get at. I do think that it is a bit of a commentary on how faith does affect some people. Uh, yeah. But but really unstable people. I think is really yeah. what the the focus is on. It definitely shows. That, it shows the negative sides of religion i would say like it's the effect of blind faith on people who need more stability than that i would say yeah um there you go yeah. that's a good way to put it so anyways uh arvin the little boy eventually ends up going to live with his grandmother who they had planned to visit for a long time anyways there is also Lenora, who becomes his stepsister and is the daughter of somebody. Her situation is surprisingly similar to, yeah, but darker, really. I don't know. I there's, don't know. There's actually. a lot they're of both very dark. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of their journeys. We're missing, we're missing a key. We're, I, I just remembered a key point that we were missing here, and it's when what's his name willard when willard came back from the war his mom had made a promise to god that if willard came home safely she would marry him off to this neighboring girl right who was who is lenora's mom right but when willard came back he had different plans he moved towns the the lady that uh willard's mom had promised god willard would marry she fell in love with somebody else who was dudley dursey yeah. <laughs> uh, who was uh in this movie is a very unstable priest yes with a fear of spiders with a with a fear of spiders which is very it's a very interesting scene it is an interesting um, scene and uh so is so is their ending scene i mean this movie is really hard to talk yeah. about without just it, it really it is without spoiling because it, it's a lot of tragedies on yes. top of tragedies and yeah. that's the hardest part about this movie especially for me was there came a moment where the tragedies were incredibly predictable yeah sure. because all this movie was was it wasn't it didn't seem like there was a solid progression of you know anything happening it was just what's the next sad thing that could happen sure and whatever I could think of is what happened. <laughs> yeah. You know, just like, oh, I bet this is going to happen to that character. Yeah. Ten minutes later, that's what's going on. I'm just like, it's, it's a very predictable film because that's all it is, is it's trying to hit all of those emotional, tragic moments. I could uh, agree beats. with you. It's missing some something that the characters are gaining yeah. to to lose again. 
Uh, which, I mean, they do have that a little bit with him getting this family, Ir- Arvin, that is, in the second yeah. uh, act. He has this family with his grandmother, his uncle, and uh, Lenora. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that that's lasting long enough. I don't think we get to fall in love and with those characters enough no. before the tragedies start happening again. Yeah. And, you know, Lenora, because of something that happens to her parents, she comes to live with uh, Willard's mom, as you said. And so Lenora and Arvin grow up as, like, brother and sister. Mm -hmm. And Arvin's very protective of her. And he, you know, he commits, you know, he he will beat bullies. And he does, you know, quite a lot of questionable damage to some bullies throughout this movie. Because of how they treat her. Yeah, he's following his father's example which maybe he should yeah you know put i guess trying to not spoil the story any further than what i've i've done uh for me what this movie's lacking is just a resounding story you know when you get to the end you know i'm not rooting for any of these characters even though i do feel bad for arvin yeah he's not shown himself to be a good character too much you know he, he makes a lot of really you know decisions that i'm just like you know i understand why he makes them and tom holland does a great job uh but it's just you know for me i don't like a lot of these characters you know the decisions they make or the choices they they get themselves into i'm just like it irritates me at each corner because i'm like you it's very realistic yes it is you know we all make we all make a lot of mistakes right and these guys are these characters are all just leading themselves along tragedies Mm mm-hmm but I could see those tragedies coming and it makes me so sad when I, when they make these decisions, it was very hard to, to root for anybody. So you thought it was a little bit too predictable. Well, I, I did, I will, uh, kind of piggyback off of that to talk about Lenora a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. because she, uh, I think she is one of the few characters that you really can root for. Uh, she, but see, I disagree because she's so blinded by religion for no reason. She is extremely pious. Yes. To the point where to the point where like, you know, there's there's rumors that her dad might have done something to her mom. Right. And Tom's like Tom says something like, Would you really forgive him? And she's like, I don't care if you really murdered my mom or not, you know, I'm gonna forgive him. And I'm just right. like, Okay. The serial killers I don't think need to be really forgiven but (laughs) all right yeah i i i agree but i mean it is very she to kind of foil her off of uh willard so while his hit like he's so blinded by faith that he's willing to do some pretty heinous things really while she is blinded by faith in a different direction uh, a direction that i feel like is uh, at least from my perspective i'm more comfortable with like she truly believes she's a just she is just a true believer but she does not expect to get anything out of their religion where willard and uh lenora's father did uh yeah and, but the problem is she's just she's so damn forgiving she is that she doesn't see all of the 
villainous people in her life Mm -hmm. and she allows them to get so close to her that it leads her on her own tragic path that is uh the the part where i wanted to talk about the predictability what happens between her and robert pattison's character who Mm -hmm. is uh reverend preston uh tea garden sounds like a made-up name to me uh (laughs) great job there but he that that was very obvious what was going to happen between them however i did not necessarily see the what happens to her at her final bit i didn't necessarily see that happening Hmm. um i i thought i feel like i feel like it was obvious for me just because i've read you know stories like carrie and you know other uh novels about progress or uh, religious pressure on teenage women right you know, it's that's kind of a it's kind of a cliched ending in that regard right i thought for... it was gonna go the uh other direction quick spoiler i think i need to uh so i guess fast forward like 15 seconds when she dumped that ba- bucket there was a long stemmed tool and i thought she was gonna self-abort i thought that's where i was going oh gotcha i was rooting for her to change her mind after she was on top of the bucket and yeah that's what she eventually does but it's too bad too sad and that part was predictable yeah it was fairly there's two more characters i think that we've missed uh there's jason yeah, the clark Beast story Yes. Who is the so. who is the woman with Jason Clark? Jason wait, Jason Clark. He was the the serial killer guy. Oh yes. Uh her name, the character's J- name I think is Sandy. It's Riley Ko. I think it might be Ko. I'm sorry if I gotcha. And they're name. they're like traveling serial killers. Yeah. They like to take photos with their victims. She's you know she's the sister of a the sheriff of yep. one uh, of the two knockin', cities knocking stiff that, that's yeah, not knock, right. knock him stiff yeah i knock think it is knock him stiff knocking like knocking knock strife no knock, knock <laughs> like knock them stiff or something like that knock so and like sniff knock <laughs> sniff <laughs> get away from the sense of smell <laughs> stiff <laughs> Uh, i just i honestly have trouble saying it knocking stiff i think it's knocking stiff (laughs) i think it is knocking stiff um but it's one of the two cities i think where that this story takes place right yes it's the town in ohio that they that he uh was a little boy in yeah yeah and uh then uh the i don't remember what the virginia town was called yeah i don't either honestly you know it, it every all these stories just weave together and it's really nice how they weave them together yeah um but the thing i wanted to mention is there are a lot of big name actors in this movie yeah there are and it doesn't in my opinion they don't hurt it any you know it's like there's so many well-known people you know you have spider-man pennywise <laughs> the clown the current batman the winter soldier yeah one of the john connors jason clark uh was john connor in terminator genesis oh yeah he was and you have du- and you have dudley dursley yeah like you have 
You have all these pop culture reference, references just tossed into one movie. Yeah, and they but do a really good job as as being an ensemble. Like they, yeah, they do a really good job. I, yeah, you nobody, know, I. But Tom so, Holland does steal the stage for me. He he, he does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was the one performance that leaving this, I thought he did the greatest job out of everybody. Well, um, I don't know, man. Bill Skarsgård. I think I I if 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 there was anyone who competed with him, yeah. Uh, there's he's not necessarily a likable character i think he's well intentioned uh but uh when i watch bill skarsgård i think that i i see his talent in that he doesn't care necessarily that the camera is there he is that character yeah and it's true damn he he really played this this uh world war vet really well yeah he um, definitely did a great job um for me the one character and and agree, agreed bill skarsgård you're not supposed to like his character so maybe that's why he doesn't resonate well with me maybe but even though i still don't root too much for tom holland's character he is the one i sympathize with the most yeah um, i agree and i mean that is that is the story the story is meant you're supposed to sympathize for him but yeah there's just you know Tom Holland does a great job at not showing the emotions going through his character's mind. Like his grandfather presents him with his father, with a gun that his father gave his grandfather or his uncle, his uncle. Yeah. It's his great his uncle. uncle. Sorry. Yeah. His great, his uncle gives him a gun that his father had given him a long time ago. And you can tell that his character is, you know, looking at this gun and thinking about the, just the shit that his dad has given him you know right. how much he has tried so hard to get away from his father um right you know he's tried so very hard not to be like his father but you could see all of that going through his mind but then he just like he picks up the gun you know and he's just like thank you this is and there's genuine emotion when he's talking to his uncle he's like this is the greatest gift anybody's given me thank you you know yeah. and it's like you can tell he means it to his to his uncle he's not being he's not going to be rude to his uncle because the thought was there right he understands where his uncle's coming from and it's just like that's the one scene for me that i was just like i understand you know that was where i think tom holland kills it is you know that whole delivery of that scene it's it's great it's good work and i'm just like i can't wait to see tom holland do more that's not spider-man um yeah i love his spider-man i'm not gonna yeah, i do that. yeah he's, his spider he's amazing i think my favorite but um, this is this is the first time outside of the spider-man world where i've been like I can see Tom Holland doing some really great stuff later in the future. Yeah, for sure. Because he kills this role. It's really well done. Yeah, I honestly was pretty surprised uh, at uh, everything in this movie. Because honestly, I didn't even recognize that it was a period piece. Uh, and and then you don't get to see Tom Holland until almost an hour in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is very, yeah, just uh, half of this movie with him yeah uh and i thought really just the storytelling was very very good i thought um like like you said there's some predictability to the the things that happen but the i it just i like the way that they played with narrative a little bit 
Um, they they jumped back and forth a little bit between this A and B story through two different time periods, and mm-hmm. um, I I thought that that was all very well done, and just because you know it's predictable, I don't think necessarily makes it a bad movie, but there is there's definitely something to say that there's maybe too much just tragedy after another and i think like all these tragic events could happen in one movie and but there's just i feel like they never really ganged something there's something in those years in between the first and second act where they ganged this family we don't get to gain it with them and Mm -hmm. so when they lose it all it it doesn't hurt as much for us it's just like why are you doing this (laughs) yeah i think it would be stronger if there was more focus on foreshadowing and symbolism Mm. because it's not um i agree that there is a strong story here Mm -hmm. and i i do also agree that i like the narrative i like how they tell this like everything about this movie is something i should like right Uh, again it's you know i love i love long sagas like this i love watching Mm -hmm. stories unfold about families yeah um you know roots the thorn birds i'm i'm currently reading that you know i like those kind of long narrative sagas and again it's it's heavily about religion which as an atheist that stuff fascinates me Mm -hmm. and so it's like all the pieces are here i just feel like it's missing a strong resounding story like i said and i feel like if they had a lot of foreshadowing like dickensian symbolism and in their narrative it would make it so much stronger but as it is things just happen and it's sad and predictable whereas if they would if they would bury the lead a little bit and foreshadow and you know make it more artsy i feel like they would have had a much stronger tale which artsy doesn't always work for sagas like this but I think that's what this film was missing for me is something to to elevate it a little bit more. Yeah, like something something like great cinematography or right. Which, not to knock the, I don't want to knock the cinematography. It's it's well done. It's just yeah. I feel like it needed one more technical element or just storytelling element to just yeah. make it really really ring for me. Right. I I do think I I think I've already said it twice. But I, I yeah. think them having something more to lose is really what it's missing for me. Because they just they start the second act at at such a low point from our perspective. Yeah. That's that's what I have to say. I think that's kind of pretty much my closing statement. Really. Yeah, I was gonna say I think I think that was my closing statement too. I give it two stars. Um, two stars? Oh wow. I, I feel like it it had the potential to have so much more, but there's just it was it was just so hard for me to watch because I feel like again I felt like there was so much potential, mm-hmm. but I was watching it not grasp at it at all. You know, it was, right. it was going for all the low low hanging fruits with, for me, what was very predictable moments and beats. It didn't ring. It didn't. It didn't last. Well, I think that's too bad because I did actually really enjoy watching this movie. Um, but you know, tragedy at one after another, like you said, is not for everybody. That is yeah. definitely not for everybody. So I will definitely t- give that warning up front for people. 
but i also would recommend this movie i think that it's it's worth watching for the performances and uh really like i think they did a really good job of weaving the stories like it could have done been done better i think is really what what it is for me but i do give it a full face movie uh yeah that's what i'll say that's my closing statement i respect that i understand it completely let's talk about um the trial of the chicago seven Dun, dun, dun. and here we are with our final movie of that we're going to review of 2020 oh. the trial of the chicago seven it's a whole trial there's seven of them um, <laughs> seven defendants yeah eight technically eight technically and yeah we're definitely going to talk about that but yeah why don't you give us a quick synopsis uh yeah Maybe people don't it know is a, about this historical event. Yeah, directed and written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, it's his second directorial uh, movie since Molly's Game. But he is the famous writer of uh, many biopics like The Social Network, Moneyball, Steve Jobs. And now he's writing about The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is uh, set in nineteen, you know, the late 60s, early 70s, 1968 to... I want to say like 1971-ish, maybe 1970. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how long the justice system takes. I'm sure they said dates in the movie. Yeah. I remember I remember the trial itself was like 150 days or something yeah. like that. So seven people, uh, eight including Bobby uh, Bobby Seal? Bobby Seal. Bobby Seal. Eight including Bobby Seal, who is the head of the Black Panther movement. They all conglomerate through their own means uh some of them paired you know it's uh i'm not gonna remember all the characters names i'm sorry but eddie redmayne's character and his best friend were part of a group sasha baron cohen who is abby and his best friend were the leaders of a group like they all just kind of like conglomerate in chicago for the democratic national convention and chaos kind of ensues yes uh, uh, and they're there you know, protesters to, yeah they're there to protest specifically the vietnam war i know that is especially for tom hayden which is redmond's character is thank you about the war yeah and and tom hayden was uh he's very um i don't want to say very famous um i didn't honestly know him until this movie because like i'm not huge into most modern history where i'm where i was interested as a kid was like roman history and you know greek right. history like I'm those old here. days and then you know as i grew older you know i'm still very interested in history but i don't feel like my education growing up was really strong on right you know getting me to remember a lot of important historical moments like this uh you know i feel like we left out a lot of this era when i was educated on this in uh elementary school and high school we definitely lived in an area where the historical teachings especially about america were were skewed to and very limited yeah and very limited uh because they're they're i think when we were growing up specifically they were really trying to reinstill patriotism um, yeah and there's just a whole bunch of time in that late 
in the latter mm-hmm. part of the 20th century that was just really shitty things happening um yeah, people and... and people fighting against it and we talked about it and and we just kind of talked about it like and then the social activists won and everything's better now that's the yeah. way we were pretty much taught about it yeah and that's just not yeah, true <laughs> My school just sped past it. You know, it's like, I remember we talked about, you know, we talked about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and just a little bit about the civil rights movement. You know, we probably spent, I think, a week or two on it. Looking back, it was probably a lot longer. You know, as a child, you don't always remember events correctly. But for me, it felt like a very short period of time was spent Mm -hmm. on teaching this, this time period. So this film was very interesting for me because I hadn't heard much about it. And, you know, the this whole tangent started because I was saying that Tom Hayden, um, he was a pallbearer for John F. Kennedy. Yeah. You know, he was a he was a face of the political movement at the time that people thought was going he was going to go places. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a very vocal. Uh, he had a he had a movement behind him of young yeah. Democrats and that's what a lot of it was, was a lot of young protesters, you know, just this young, the, the yippie has Abby and his, uh, his yeah. friend, they're, they're the part of the yippie group. Um, you know, and they're just there to protest. They didn't want to be violent. And a lot of the arguments no. of this film is, you know, whether or not, you know, there's the moment of, did the cops start the protest? Were the protesters the one who got violent first? Uh, was it incited either way? You know, because the protest got violent. The cops, uh, the cops yeah. and the protesters, you know, the cops used tear gas. They beat up a lot of protesters. I'm sure a lot of cops were mm-hmm. probably hurt in the um, protests as well. This film definitely does not uh, go into their side of it too much. Uh, it is it is a skewed no, film, I should say. Um, but I think at the same time, I don't think this film is too skewed um no i don't think so at all because there was some crazy (laughs) crazy wicked totalitarian shit yeah definitely (laughs) like um they they show you know the the film like most aaron sorkin and biopic like films like this opens up with like a newsreel of what's going on at the time and there's a there's a moment where they show walter cronkite and he's just like i don't know how any any other way to say it but chicago's in a police state and it's just like you know it's yeah you know as a kid again we didn't talk about these protests too much in my school and to like see a lot of the stuff that these cops were doing like i'm sure it was dramatized probably a little bit but like yeah to see you know them like standing in guard like that was kind of scary like i was like oh my god if if i were to like go outside and see that i might poop my pants uh i believe a good reason to talk about this film is that it is very relevant of what's going on today. I just said earlier, when we were growing up, we were kind of raised that the the social activists won and everything's okay now. Yeah. Now, as adults, we know it's a lot more complicated than that. And while things were a little bit better, they heated up again. And it it is bad. Yeah. And we grew up in a very sheltered, rural you know, Midwestern area, when, when we talk like the social movement and everything, my school 
was mostly white. You know, it was like probably 90, 98, right. 99% white. Um, that's probably very bad statistics. So it's probably like 95% or less, but it felt mostly like there was not much diversity to be had. And so right. again, as you said, when we were, when we were taught this stuff, it was, it was just that it's like, it's, you know, we're all happy now. And then we both came to a very, very diverse city when we went to college and for me especially like it opened my mind up to a lot of things that i just didn't know growing up and i'm really happy it did you know it definitely changed the path of who i was going to be right i i totally agree with you yeah i i i feel like there was some things some we talked about this a little bit and get out there are some instances where i i immediately realized after the situation happened that i did something that hurt somebody mm-hmm. and so i was already like a little bit trying to figure out what the world is really like beyond my country white boy lens mm-hmm. and being at at university really helped me just try to be as empathetic as possible i mean there was still definitely plenty of moments where i put my foot way up my ass and then through my mouth yeah we still have a long way to go Um, but we're on the path definitely you know i think so too yeah it's and it's all about education Mm -hmm. really it really is if you want to learn how to be a better person start learning about other people yeah and and listen that is my psa and listen yes dear yes but with the trial of the Chicago Chef, with the trial of the Chicago Seven, say that five times fast. It brings a lot of that, you know, that vocal points of the late '60s. You know, again, Bobby Seale, you know, the civil rights movement's going on. Uh, Bobby Seale's the leader of the Black Panther movement. Uh, Malcolm X has been assassinated. Martin Luther King Jr. has been assassinated. Well, I, I just want to kind of clarify that I don't. I don't think they had anything to do with the Black Panthers. I don't think you were trying to say that, but it kind of sounded like no. you were. Yeah, sorry. I was just saying, like, after these inspirational figureheads have been assassinated, you know, he is in a very right dangerous spot in his life because he's yes. been accused of murdering yes. a policeman in Connecticut. You know, he's already on trial for that. Well, he will be on trial for that. And then he went right. to Chicago just to make a speech right and this is actually before he got arrested yeah. that the speech is before he got arrested for that murder no um, thank you for clarifying yeah, that because i didn't i didn't know that honestly but like he gets arrested from you know when he went to the you know because of the protests and everything because he was just basically in the wrong place at the wrong time and when the trial happens when it starts his lawyer is undergoing gallbladder surgery and they were they requested a delayed date right but the judge, who is amazingly played by Frank Langella, yeah, he does a good job, but I hate him. <laughs> just an asshole. But he always not he, Frank, not Frank. Uh, Julius yeah, Hoffman. Yeah, he was like a, Julius Hoffman. kind of a blundering old man. Just you know, terrible. Yeah, unfit to judge. Unfit. But the judge denies, you know, read, you know, to delay the date until his lawyer is able to be there, and. Uh, for I can't remember why, but they refused to let Mark Rylance, who is the defender for the Chicago Seven, that was under uh, 
that his character's recommendation um william yeah uh is is his name he's i think i could be wrong i'm pretty sure he was pretty famous throughout the the period for uh being the defending uh attorney for civil rights people (laughs) but he recommended that he did not allow bobby seal to be represented by him because he wanted to prove that bobby seal was separate from because he was separate he wasn't part of the protest but watching how the court treats bobby seal throughout the trial is just horrendous like it it gets to a you know a heated point and i know you know i did just a very minimal amount of research on this movie i know that some of the dates are um out of place throughout the telling of this story uh aaron sorkin took liberties you know with the narrative as as is his right to do when you're retelling a story like this but i know that there's been some complaints about his you know how he told the the tales but in the movie it all culminate or uh culminates accumulates whatever it all accumulates to bobby seal getting literally bound and gagged in the courtroom and yeah yeah, just because you know he was trying to you know defend himself because he wasn't he didn't have a lawyer and the judge was refusing to allow him to get legal advice and it's just yeah it's just it's gross to see a lot of that racial tension play out throughout this film um and it also happens with the you know with the chicago seven too because uh not in regards to race but abby and Who's his friend? Who's the other leader of the Yippies? Uh, He's played by Jeremy Strong, I think. Uh, Jerry Rubin. Rubin, thank you. Jerry Rubin is the yeah. They're they're young. They're they're Yippies. You know, they're young stoners. Uh, they're part of that movement, and nobody takes them seriously. Even though they are both very intelligent men, who mm-hmm. you know they have people who follow them for a reason. You know, it's not just because they're you know, they're comedians and stoners and like, you know, funny ha people, they actually have a, you know, something to stand for. They have a purpose. They have a, a message they're trying to get across. And, you know, it's just because they smoke weed, it doesn't negate their intelligence at all, which is something, you know, Thomas Hayden and them are constantly fighting with throughout the movie too. Yeah. And, and there is a pretty good moment where uh, the two groups kind of all of a sudden respect each other mm-hmm. i do i'm not sure if they're actually a part of the same organization just different chapters uh i can't i can't quite recall that but Who? uh red character and uh abby uh shasha baron cohen's character no they're not they're not part uh, of the I, same i mean they might be different chapters but i don't think they're part of the same yeah. group i'm not sure i know they don't work directly together typically but it at some point in the movie is a pretty good i think a pretty good moment that could have been done a little bit better Mm -hmm. uh where abby shows how much he actually respects tom hayden yeah because he's read everything Uh, he's done i thought that was pretty he's read everything he's done yeah he thinks he's a good leader he just wishes that he uh would jump on the cultural side yeah of the war that he thinks they're fighting because that's that's the fear Uh, of tom hayden throughout the movie is he's looking at this as my trial this is you know if we fail i go to prison if we win i don't go to prison you know he's worried about that um whereas the others see it as a political trial 
you know, it's it's not just right. about them. It's about the statement. You know, it means something more. Right. And I, I really like that, but I agree. I, I do think there are a lot of things about this film that could have been done better, specifically the editing. It could have been done. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really recall what problems I would have with the editing particularly. Well, my, main, uh, my, but... my one main one was when Sasha Baron Cohen's character is on trial, when Abby is on the stand. And he's explaining yeah. what Tom, uh, what Eddie Redmayne's character meant when he said a, you know a certain phrase that they're talking about, right? And the prosecuting lawyer asks him a question, and you know Sasha Baron Cohen sits there in silence, and he's like, "Well, are you going to answer the question?" He's like, "Well, I've never been on trial for my thoughts before," and that's the end of yeah. the scene. You don't hear his answer. That's the yeah. end of the scene. They cut. They go to it's like trial yeah. day one fifty one. They go to the next scene. I'm like, that wasn't the end of the scene. You know, there's so many moments no, in this movie yeah, where it just kind of felt like they they either cut too soon, or it was, um, you know, where Mank is out of, where Mank is nonlinear, but it feels perfectly nonlinear. There's a lot right. of moments in this film where I just get confused by the events because of it's nonlinear. Yeah, I could say that somebody could easily get confused watching this. Uh, one thing that I did not like so much. I don't think we mentioned uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II plays Bobby Seale. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does a great job, I think. He's amazing. Um, but when... Better than the black man finally... performance. <laughs> What's that? I said it was better than his black man of performance. And I really liked sure, it. I really sure. liked his black man of performance. But... I honestly... I, saw, I remember seeing that movie, but I can't... I can't recall yeah. nary a thing about it. Even though I li- even <laughs> so, though I like superhero movies, I like seeing the actors who are kind of like, you know, they they use that as a platform to like jump off to better roles. Right. I love seeing yeah. them break free from those roles, you know. I like I I'm gonna, Oh yeah. I won't I won't deny that I'm excited to see uh Yaya Abdul-Mateen the second play of Black Manta. Reprise. Play yeah, yeah, exactly, reprise that role. But seeing him here, you know, seeing him actually do a powerful role, this was great. Like yeah. he he killed it. This is he did a great job. Uh, what what I was about to say is, it, it made sense for the movie, but I still wanted more from Bobby Seal's character. Yeah. But after Bobby Seal's trial, his part of the trial went mistrial. Um because he really had no reason to be there and he was being mistreated as hell and i Uh, I feel and again i don't know the historical accuracy of this i hope it's true but the prosecuting lawyer uh who's played by joseph gordon levitt he didn't like what was going on with bobby seal like he 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 approached the court with the defending uh lawyers and was like i declare that you declare bobby seal a mistrial you know sorry that's spoilers for the movie yeah i'm sorry but like i hope a little bit but it's also a historical event so i hope that's historically accurate because that was like one of the you know i I really did i understood joseph gordon levitt's character yeah Um, i did too uh he was definitely he he had a a respect for hayden particularly mm -hmm. uh and some of the other defendants but he's staunchly conservative yeah. and staunchly believes that they should go to jail yeah. for the riots. And, and he's just, again, uh, just doing his job. You know, he is, uh, he's been yeah. assigned this job. Sorry, that was a tangent. You were talking about how they treated Bobby Seale's character. Because I agree, because after 
after his uh, yeah, his stuff go. is declared mistrial. He's just gone. They don't even give like a. Yeah. I think they give like a small he's blurb a at slide the end. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, slide uh, in the credits. Yeah, all all historical uh, biopics end with end that way. <laughs> right, exactly. I, which I don't but, like. But... Uh, I think that they could have went into, you know, him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But also, I understand that the movie is focused on the trial, so I I guess it makes sense. But like, he was such a strong character, and a lot of the really eye-opening things that happened in the trial happened with him yeah so it was kind of sad to see that just that element just go away from the agreed film. i wish they would have worked it in somehow like i, I feel like you could yeah. have figured out um but but who knows maybe there was you know i don't know maybe they tried but maybe the movie was pushing like two hours and 40 minutes and like we have to just stick to the maybe. trial um maybe but i i agree wholeheartedly i think that you know, as one of the better actors in this film and as one of the more compelling stories, I wish they had, you know, delivered more on his ending. I really feel like they could have gone into the defendants in general a little bit more. Yeah. Like their their lives and and how they were and their their works. Really more their works. That's fair. Uh, what they were doing to uh you know try to change the world yeah i wish they went more into that yeah i agree with that because thomas hayden seems like a very prominent character but they don't explain mm-hmm. really why because they don't go into his works you know they don't go into what specific exactly they, they mention what he's doing but i mean you know i agree i agree with what you're saying um i think they do a good job at establishing all of these characters but i do think they should have dove in a little more into their uh psychologies definitely i, I like I would also really like to see more about Abby Hoffman because he's yeah. a very interesting character too. And not another thing is like the two like main characters of this movie about American history are played by English guys. <laughs> <laughs> but English guys who do amazing jobs. Yeah, that's yeah. They did. They did do a great job. To again, uh, to again, I, foreshadow I, our coming playlist that you will see in the next year in February. We're going to be talking James Bond, and right. we talk about what actors could play James Bond. And I threw out Michael B. Jordan, and you were like, "No, the actor has to be English." English guys keep taking American guys' roles. Why can't right. an American guy take an English guy's you're role? You're right, and you know why? I, at least this is what I heard a long time back is that uh they typically would work cheaper than american oh, probably yeah our unions uh, are i don't know if that's true anymore yeah uh, who knows but uh, yeah uh, it is it is funny to look at but at but at the same time i'm gonna say that up there with yaya eddie and uh eddie redmayne and sasha baron cohen they are like two of the greatest performances in this film you know it's you know right. yaya abdul mateen eddie redmayne Sasha Baron Cohen and Mark Rylance, in my opinion, just he doesn't. They deliver him. powerful yeah. performances. They're all so good. And Franklin Gala again, even, even though you don't he, like him, yeah, exactly, yeah. And by you, I mean the watcher. Even though the viewer is designed to hate this yeah, you're character, supposed to hate him. He does a yeah. great job at it. I think he could have, if they need to ever have uh, Saruman again, Franklin Gala. I think he could do it. Yeah, 
He yeah. does a good villain. I remember there's this garbage movie called The Box. Uh, it's based off Richard Matheson's The Box. <laughs> I remember, yeah. It's so bad. But I remember that Frank was like the one thing about that movie. I was like, ooh, he's yeah. sinister. I like him. <laughs> yeah, he was good. That was like the thing that really kind of uh, tipped me off to him, actually. Yeah, I think and so too. I don't too. think I ever actually finished that movie. Because I think at some point I was like, I don't know if I care. I think that was a movie that my uh, my parents dropped me off at the theater and I watched it while they watched their own movie and then so like i had to just sit through it all i remember like got back in the car and my mom was like how was your movie and i was like it sucked <laughs> oh no uh all right so i guess we could do closing statements then uh i i think i i mean i really want to talk more about i all of these movies but we've we've talked quite a bit yeah we still, we still have a uh 2020 wrap-up to do which won't take too long. But yeah, I agree. Closing okay. statements. Um, Trial of Chicago 7, you know, I, I definitely recommend it. I think it's uh, a very important moment of history that, you know, it, there's a lot of focus on that time period. And I think this is a new, uh, another story out of that that doesn't get a lot of attention. Very good performances. You know, great directing from yeah. Aaron Sorkin. Um, I think, again, some scenes, you know, it definitely needed a lot more—not a lot more work, but it definitely needed some more work to make it a little more compelling and lasting. But very respectable and very enjoyable movie. I gave it, you know, it's another three and a half stars. That's good. That's pretty good. Uh yeah, I, I do think that it's worth watching for the historical contents, but as uh, an entertaining movie. I think that there's other movies that have done this courtroom historical drama better. Agreed. Uh, that's what I will say. But I, yeah, so I think I already said full face. Three full face movies. And you know what? Uh, yeah, I think I'm ready to do Who Wins. Yeah, we have two finales planned here. Let's do the, uh, let's do Who Wins the 2020 threesome. Threesome. And then we'll do uh, what was yeah. our favorite movie of 2020. But um, all right, of uh, this threesome, so facelessly owned, who wins this threesome? I think it was Mank. I was honestly, I personally was kind of tied for a little bit right after I finished uh, The Devil all the time because I was really drawn into the performances mm-hmm. of that. But honestly, I think I would, if we would allow for me to change uh the rating i gave mank i want to give it uh, a face and a half (laughs) i think uh that's probably like the highest rating that a movie will get from my face ranking because it's only supposed to be a full face but it's a face and a half movie um so yeah mank wins for me what do you think yeah mank wins also i hope i didn't skew your devil all the time too far because that was just you know I respect, I understand why people would enjoy that, and I do think people will enjoy it, and I respect your opinion on it. But for me, Mank is just a more, you know, it's better made film. It, that is it for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I do I do respect all three of these films, but for me, Mank uh, went above and beyond. It told a great story. You know, amazing performance from Gary Oldman. Amazing performances on all three films, but uh, right. I don't know. I feel like Mank, Mank, rings more with me than the other two uh it's gonna it'll last more with me it just has so many more elements to it uh that make it a better movie just the production 
the way it was edited and Trent Reznor did the music. <laughs> yeah, from Nine yeah. Inch Nails. Uh, it it that's pretty interesting. He um, he's done a lot of David Fincher it, movies, honestly. It's got it's good. Uh, definitely did have a good score. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the story of this threesome for me is that I was honestly a little disappointed in the in the trial for the Chicago 7. I thought it had a lot more potential. Not that, that it was a bad movie, though. Yeah. You know? And for The Devil All the Time, that kind of really surprised me. I did not expect... I really didn't know anything about the, what was going to happen in the film when I started watching it, though. Yeah. So. Well, All that's... three wonderful movies. Good way to end the year. What yeah. do you think? So... For... What, what, what you got here for? Again, uh... 2020 there were 15 movies it's a very limited list for me um typically you know 40 movies or you know 50 movies even for a year on in regards to new releases only that is uh so 15 is a very small pool to pick from and honestly looking back at this whole year i should have known what awaited all of us because the very first movie i watched in theaters was doolittle and (laughs) Like that was such a shit fire. It should have been all the only foreshadowing I needed for what was about to happen. But I don't know. It was it was really hard for me to choose a favorite because you know there's you know the Five Bloods, which is another Netflix. Uh, it was the last, I think it's the last movie that uh, Chadwick Boseman was in. I did not see that. It's very good, very powerful movie about uh, four soldiers from Vietnam who returned there to try to reclaim a treasure, and you know it's a very good movie, but. It wasn't, you know, there was no great movie this year. I didn't give any movie a four-star rating, which, Hmm. you know, again, this is the first time I've ever done that, you know, since my blog back started back in 2010 to now, that's the first time I haven't given a four-star rating in a year. So it's it's really hard for me. Hmm. But, you know, like films like Mank and all those, like there's a lot of films I respect, but I think honestly, uh, again, greatest movie for me goes down to what am I going to return to? What am I going to rewatch the most? And the one movie this year that I think I would return to the most is the one that rang emotionally the most, and that's Onward. Uh, Pixar's Onward. That you know, was a good movie. Yeah, it's not an impressive. Enjoy that. You know, it's not impressive. It's not, you know, the greatest animation or the greatest thing Pixar's ever put out, but it rang a lot about brotherhood, and that's you know that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you and our other good friend up in Michigan, you know, and 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 your wife, of course. Yeah, you're all like. You're my trio of brothers, and you know that movie. Yeah. That movie rang emotionally, you know, because of that. And I, you know, I think I honestly yeah. have to say that I think Onward is my favorite film of the year. That's nice, and I, I have to say the D and D element really added for me too towards that, towards that brotherly, the, our particular brand of, yeah. of brotherly love. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that that was a particularly good movie, but I have to say, like, I I kind of had almost forgotten about it until you brought it up a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did really enjoy watching that movie, but I think maybe because it's the freshest, and because I I really my list is a lot shorter than yours. <laughs> I think I might I I definitely have a couple that you haven't watched that I watched yeah. in this year. Like uh, I just watched uh, Jingle Jangle today. <laughs> Uh, which it, it did surprise me uh uh it, it's forrest whitaker christmas musical um and it 
there's some really good fun elements in there and i do recommend people to watch that this season uh, hmm. before you know you're s- super tired of christmas <laughs> um <laughs> and uh anyhow uh i think though i would give it to make i i mean nice. i was i was really happy with that movie and i was really happy with the movie that it's based off of too yeah and i watched both of those this this uh just recently nice that's what i have to say you made all the film critics in the world happy i'm sure <laughs> yeah i know I honestly yeah, probably honestly probably make did. was gonna be mine too but they, i don't know the more i thought about it you know it is it make is a very close second like honestly onward right. is not a better movie than make you just liked it more. yeah i just I, it just rang more with me i guess right but but at the same time i do think make is the best made film and the best movie you know i think it might win best picture maybe who knows um, it might yeah i i mean it's be a like, weird i don't oscar. really know what would go up to against it yeah it's gonna be a uh, weird person. year for oscars so that's gonna be fun to watch it will be. yeah we yeah well, you know we should maybe do an episode about the oscars yeah we could uh just maybe talk about the awards afterwards <laughs> yeah i don't know or don't we, know. we could toss up see, predictions we'll and be completely wrong yeah yeah, that's true. That's all true. all we're doing is making fools of ourselves on the internet. So let's just make ourselves even bigger go. fools. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's get zero, zero out of all of our predictions for the year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know what? It is it is our New Year's episode. So maybe we should uh, do some resolutions. What do you think? Oh, God. Put me, uh, like I, resolutions in regard I, for the show or for us personally? Sure. For this show. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was res- I resolved for this show in particular uh, to do two episodes a week. <laughs> <laughs> you cheap son of a bitch! <laughs> um, it uh, so uh, next next year, starting in January, we are gonna do uh, two episodes a week, yes. Monday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy that. Uh, the Monday episodes will all be playlist. Yeah, they'll uh, be shows they'll be much shorter than our Thursday. hour and a half uh, Thursday episodes mm-hmm. or hour long episodes right. too. You know, we don't always do yeah uber long ones, but what's time? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, you got to go to sleep somehow, right? Just put us on and listen to us. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Let um, our dulcet tones take you into a beautiful slumberland yeah into the new year uh well is that it yeah i think that's or did it. you have a resolution <laughs> oh yeah i was supposed to make a resolution for the show wasn't i um yeah damn that that was gonna be mine was to do the two shows i was like he's not gonna think of that <laughs> <laughs> no i just i i want to continue delivering better content you know we yeah. have a, we have a lot to improve upon and uh yeah, i hope we, we just continue to get better and better me too and i hope that people out there are enjoying it i've been the faceless leon and i am and we shall be the green traveler uh so you're like legion then you get several in there huh we're yeah. spreading alien race i see that's my new uh, that's my new that's my new resolution game. actually is to create backstories yeah. for us like that <laughs> okay that's fun i like that yeah <laughs> uh will be green and faceless uh uh comic book 
give us a different completely different structure to the show where it's like instead of just two white guys talking on the couch i'm literally <laughs> a green alien and you're a faceless man who yeah. can somehow talk telepathically yes yes through i i talk t- telepathically through this microphone <laughs> um but uh oh what damn i had something i had something it's gone now but and so is this year yeah happy new year happy new year finally fuck you 2020 oh there's there's okay there's there's a lot of uh negative stuff throughout this whole year but there's also a lot of good positives yeah. uh you know there's a couple weekends uh some good bonding moments with friends and family this yeah. this show for sure <laughs> we started carving turnips carving yeah. turnips that was fun we started this show we do started this show i started work on another show uh which uh I don't know if we've plugged that yet. It will be coming out on January 19th. Uh, it'd be The Adventures in Valagorn. Uh, it's a fantasy, comedy, fictional series uh, coming your way. Uh, a radio we'll show. Definitely share links for that and stuff on our Facebook. A radio show so, brought to you by RKO Pictures through FictionWorks 19. <laughs> Yeah, we just we decided to start off right where Disney and Orson Welles did. <laughs> um, so here we are at last. Safe travels. Good night. Do you thirst for adventure? adventure. Do you search for laughter and friendship? Ha ha ha! Then don't miss the adventures in Valagorn. Welcome to a new world of fantasy, fun, and action. Coming to you as a monthly serial starting on January 19th of 2021. And brought to you by the imaginative people of FictionWorks 19. Starring Greg Callahan as Raphael Anastas Magoo, Sarah Christ as Vashti Whisperwim, and Kenneth Glynn as Pai Shou Wukong. We'll see you in Valagorn. The Adventures in Valagorn. Hey there, Couch Potatoes. This is the Faceless Leon here. Tell you about our new addition to the show. Uh, we will be bringing to you two episodes a week, starting on Monday the 4th of January, 2021. I'll tell you. Thank you. Thank you for letting that year be over. We're going to bring in the new year nice and strong, two episodes a week. Do our regular thing Thursday. Nothing's changing there. But on Mondays, we are now going to be bringing to you playlists. We're going to start off with watching the Disney movies, the OG Disney movies from chronological order. Uh, we'll, we'll break it up there with some other things. Who knows what we might do. But we're looking at some long series of movies. Anyways, we hope that you, the listener, the potatoes at home, enjoy it. Safe travels. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of FictionWorks 19. If you liked the show, please leave a review, like, follow, or subscribe wherever you listen. This will help us grow our show. 
Be sure to visit us at facebook.com slash greenandfaceless. There you'll find many links to our show and to our website. Thank you all very much for listening.